Hey everyone, welcome to the Grief Informed Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Garcia, and this is a place where I bring you authentic conversations with people who are willing to share their journey through seasons of grief. No matter your cultural upbringing, societal conditioning, or faith practice, grief affects us all. Whether you're dealing with a loss, a diagnosis, a broken heart, or the everyday stressors of life, or love someone who is, these conversations are here to support you in that process. So be sure to check out the show notes for potential trigger warnings. And whether you're very comfortable with or deeply avoidant of grief and its many responses, you are welcome here. Thank you for being here. And now on to the episode. All right. Welcome to the Grief Informed Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Garcia, and I have with me Jessica Bediet. <laughs> Jessica and her husband are... Um, Foster parents are turned adopted parents uh, in Pike Road, Alabama, and I met Jessica about two years ago through a mutual friend, and we have gotten closer, gotten more connection, yeah, kept in touch, and so I thought she would be perfect to share her story about her foster care journey, adoption journey, and before she gets started, Jessica, could you tell us about your cultural upbringing and background? Yes, I am. Ice cream That just means that they're out of ice cream when they play the music. That's what I told no. my kids. <laughs> he, he goes slow rolling past my house. He's like, I know where I, I can know, pick up 25 bucks right now. <laughs> Yeah, he circles my house. Yes, he does. Um, sorry, <laughs> you cut all that, that out. No, we're keeping it in. Go <laughs> no. for it. Yeah, we are. Um, Cultural upbringing and background. Yeah, I'm from rural Alabama, real, real far out in the sticks. Um, conservative, very conservative Southern Baptist mm. um, upbringing. But um, it was really fun horseback riding and oh, all of the that. country living stuff, you know. And you I, had horses. Oh yeah. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Horses. We've had cows, donkeys, goats, chickens, opossum, rabbits, <laughs> squirrels. <laughs> anything. Wow. Anything really. So you grew up on a farm, essentially. Not like a working farm, but like yeah. we had You just had animals. Yeah. And a, we yeah. Okay. Well, to have a horse, like, I feel like that's big time in my I world. I feel like most people would call it a farm, but we didn't, like, sell anything that we raised or grew. So, I don't know. It depends on how you want to classify it. But farm property. Farmable. Okay. Yeah. Farmable. Farmable. You know yeah. how to grow your own food? Mm, some, somewhat. Some. Okay. Vegetables. That's a very Except southern thing. Except for heirloom tomatoes elude me. But mm, okay. Well. Constantly trying. Okay. Now, the second question that I had, that we had some um, hiccups, <laughs> I thought you were a different Enneagram number. Do you know your Enneagram number with confidence? I am a seven. <laughs> and I don't know Are you why. sure you're not an eight? I don't know why <laughs> I remembered you as a, being an eight, but that seven makes so much sense. Okay. okay. I don't know much about, the, I, a whole lot about it. I've listened to a few like things about it, but not a whole lot. And I took a few tests and stuff, but the one I resonated with was seven. And what about the seven do you most resonate with? Well, they with? definitely sounded like the most fun. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to be. <laughs> so that's what I am. So. That's what you tested for. Mm -hmm. You're a little skewed in the, yeah. So you're a seven. Mm -hmm. For those that don't know, the sevens are um, adventurous, but spontaneous. Love 
have a fear of missing out. A pretty big one. Yeah. yeah FOMO. Yeah. FOMO is real. Very real. Um, in stress, sevens can go to one, which becomes perfectionistic and might find some. <laughs> don't, don't Please don't put that on the podcast because I don't want my husband to hear it all. <laughs> can become, per, can, can prevent forward momentum because if it's not just right, then we might not progress. Um, but in growth, go to five, which is the... Uh, gathering inf- information, feeling more empowered, and then coming up with a plan and just boom, knocking mm-hmm. it out. Does that sound accurate? Yes. With an eight wing is what I think. I think there's an eight wing there, but I don't know. We'd have to test on that one. Uh, well, the thing that you sent me. It, 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 okay, pretty, that's right. Seems Which pretty good. Eight but. wing is that justice right and wrong let's yeah. let's fight for those that don't have a voice which makes sense given your journey through foster care yeah but also like being real southern mm. a lot of that is like you know sit in your place and be quiet and don't right get, you know I got in trouble a lot for like keep your hands to yourself and like you know you're too much you need to go down, down a notch yeah yeah yeah. I don't pick that up from you now into adulthood. <laughs> I'm liberated right now. <laughs> I love it. I, that's great. I'm also a seven on the tendency. I mean, not a, a seven. I'm a, a rebel on the four tendencies thing. So oh, yeah. my deep thing is like, don't tell me what to do. Yeah, that's <laughs> just going to make you buck up. I'm yeah. ready to do it. You can ensure I will do it if yeah. you say that. So. that. Which I love. That's a great That's a great quality to have when it's channeled. <laughs> In a good way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So tell me how, um, you got, how you guys got on this, uh, foster care journey. We had one child. We were, um, we had our daughter Piper, Mm -hmm. um, as we we were, I was 23 when she was born, we were married and everything. And, um, anyway, long story short, we didn't have any more kids by the time, she was nine. We were um, at church. They were doing a a thing about like finding your first fruit and like what what do you have to offer the Lord? And um, we had like separately kind of prayed about it and what you know what is what is our best thing? And it was our home and our family and mm. like well how do you give that to the Lord? What does that mean? And right. so we were praying about that. And it kept on coming up, mm. foster care, adoption, and it was like getting ridiculous. That like literally a sign in our yard. Somebody put a sign in our yard about foster care. No and we're way. Like, what? <laughs> of okay. course, of course they. We're did. seeing the signs. Yeah, Laura. I, I hear so, you. <laughs> um. Anyway, we went to an information meeting about adoption, and we're like, okay, we're going to learn about international adoption, and like all the different types that there are, it was not that. It was how to adopt from foster care or foster. Mm. And so the recruiter there, her name was Beverly Owings. She is incredible. And she will get you, honey. She will get you. (laughs) She told us stories and I was like bawling. And by the end of the class, like we signed up immediately to um, start. And that started the process. We went through the classes and the home studies and the physicals and all, many 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 things and then we're foster parents which we really wanted we were more geared toward adopting mm-hmm. and then you know fostering to get there right and so the first placement you got was was um zoe and daryl and they were three and four followed by 
BJ a month later, who was five, and they were a sibling group. And so we fostered them for about two years before we were able to, their, you know, whole court process was complete. And then we adopted them and had four kids. Sweet. So, um, after that, it was... <laughs> but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> uh, they said, okay, it's time to close your home or keep it open, and what do you want to do? And so we um, talked to the kids, and they were like, we want to help more kids. And so we decided we would do respite, and we got a respite placement eventually. We had several, and then this particular one was a two-day-old baby from the hospital, Aww. and it was just a little juicy little nugget. And then he had... a a brother we got a month later who we got him on his first birthday. Mm-hmm. And so then the two of them we had for about a year and a half and their brother was born. Mm-hmm. And then um, he went to live with the maternal grandmother and then they all went to live with the maternal grandmother and then came back to us three and a half months later and then had another baby brother and then another baby sister. And wow. so at that point, we have um, the nine of them. And we were just able to finalize the adoption of those last five well, um, in August. Yes. <laughs> August of last year. August of last year. Yeah. Yes. So now we have permanent nine children. Wow. That is amazing. That's yeah, that's why he can get $25 if he rolls by your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the ice cream man loves us. Yes. Okay, so you have nine children, one bio, eight coming from the foster care system into mm-hmm. adoption. Through that process from start to finish, how have people shown up really well for y'all through this journey? Yeah, um, we have had a great support group from friends and family and our church and people that we really didn't know that well, like the people I told you about, um, when we first started fostering, just kind of dropping in on us and like, Hey, how are things going? And we're like, that was so odd. But, um, the Acostas (laughs) shout out Dawn and Arthur. Hey, by Um, the way, she thought y'all were strange when she first met you. That was some strange (laughs) behavior. Why are you checking on us? But now looking back, knowing what we know now, you know, yeah, they knew what we didn't know and that was that we needed support and we did not know what we were getting into and they did. So, um, but we've had, you know, so many people come through for us in lots of different ways. And, Mm -hmm. um, to the extent that let's see, I guess it's been almost three years now. I was in an accident Mm. and broke, I had a broken hip and I was in a wheelchair for six months and typically for a foster family, which our kids were all fostered, the, the youngest five were all fostered at that point, you would have to put them in a respite care mm. outside of your home and like, you know, not have them and maybe not get them back. Right. And we did not have to consider that. We were able to keep them and um, mm. never had to ask DHR for anything because our church stepped up, my yeah. friends our family, people were moving into the house and helping with everything. You said um, for six months, was that for right? For six months, yeah. yeah. So lots of meals brought to us, lots of help and buggy rides around the neighborhood and just all kinds of things. So yeah. um, we've definitely had a community come wow. through. That's great. Yeah. Um, so I asked the question, what do you think 
are the places that um, are platitudes that people have said or things you've experienced that were irksome or that you had to get, I mean, that you heard or got, had to get used to hearing that, um, that bothered you in this process? Yeah, there, there are a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the number one, one is, oh, I could never do that because I'd get too attached. Like, yeah, that's kind of the point mm. is that you get attached. That is the reason that foster care was ever invented mm. was because institutions holding kids, waiting for a family, they were, they were suffering mm. and, you know, withering up and they need love. They need connection. They need a family. And so that's how foster care got started. And if you're not holding that back from them, you're going to be attached. You're mm -hmm. going to, if you're momming them, mm -hmm. you're going to be attached because, you know, you, they're your child. That's even how it's if designed. It's, yeah, yeah, that's how it's, mm -hmm. how it's supposed to be. And your heart will definitely get broken um, at some point as a foster parent. But it, it's a willingness to let that happen so that you can know mm -hmm. that for one kid, they knew love and they had a family mm. and do they have that after that? You don't know, right. but you know that they did get love and affection and attention and they were adored mm -hmm. once in their life. Yeah. Mm. That's yeah. And I could see why. And I that we were having a conversation before we started recording about what could prevent somebody from wanting to have that attachment if mm -hmm. they don't quite know how to deal with, giving all and then seeing that taken away mm -hmm. it's a risk it is a risk but the reward of your your mission for that your vision for that is mm -hmm. what you're clinging to to help guide you through the possibility of heartbreak mm -hmm. that that makes a lot of sense and people your own willingness to face that potential of reward and risk um, is different for for everyone but questioning yours or saying I could never do that they're mm -hmm. right. They couldn't. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that you, you can't. And yeah. You aren't doing an amazing job. And I think sometimes they could. You know, yeah. If not they everybody could... should. Not everybody is meant. I'm mean, not saying that at all. Like, right. No, but if they could but... test that capacity or be yeah. willing to test it to see if it could grow. And two, it's judgy to say, like, yeah. oh, I couldn't because I would be attached. Like, what does that mean? I'm not? Yeah, or just that true. I'm yeah. stupid enough to go ahead and. <laughs> Right. Get hit by a train because that's how it feels. Yeah. <laughs> Which is true. Yeah, it is true. It's and honest. I was, I was that stupid. Mm. What um, else you got? The, oh yeah, let me, I'm trying to find where, oh yeah, where's their real family? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're real. Yeah. Like what part of us look fake to you? Yeah. Like because our skin doesn't match, is that your criteria or mm. like what? How do you handle that? Like have you? Like, do you reframe it for them or you, do you ignore it? Like, what's your approach to that? I, I, through, you know, what, f 10 years now, at least we've, um, I've learned or just decided that people generally do not have malicious intent. They're not trying to be rude. They're just, they're, they're inquisitive. Right. And so I kind of jokingly say, oh, which one of us do you think is fake yeah. or something, you know, something that kind of makes them laugh and, oh, you know, I didn't mean it like that. I'm like, you know, they are real brothers. We're their real parents. Yeah. If you mean their birth family, you know, it's none of your business. Yeah, So that's true. You know, and people just 
you know, you see a family that clearly isn't all, you know, just your typical mom and dad and 2.5 kids that look all alike. And so your brain is trying to make it make sense. Like, how does this happen? What has, who is what and what and how? And, you know, I, I get it. You know, but just. Choose your words carefully. Yeah. Be, yeah. be a little thoughtful about it. Yeah. Would be ideal. That makes sense. Yeah. And then another one is, oh, that you're a saint or a superhero. Oh. Like, oh. oh, you're a saint. And I feel like that's kind of along with like, oh, I could never do that. It's trying to make me something else mm. that you could never be so that you're off the hook forever trying to do it or, mm. you know, not you. <laughs> right. In general. Yeah. The person I am this. not special. Mm. I am not special. I do not have any special ability. I am not a superhero. Mm. I am not any more of a saint than, you know, I'm a saint in that have Jesus in my heart but <laughs> I'm not like a perfect person or mm. you know yeah right anything like that at all we're just willing that's it and oh I love that because it's a choice like you're making a daily choice yeah yeah I love that and uh, and it reminds me too of uh, my friend Becky last podcast episode that said that same thing like the last thing I want to be is considered special yes like, yes not at all I I I'm just here showing up, making a choice every yeah. day to parent these kids. Yeah. But yeah, I love that. And so how do you respond to that when you get that? Oh, I immediately say, no, I am not. Mm. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not special, not a superhero and, or, you know. Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not special. Mm. Just normal. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why too, I should say upon meeting you, Besides the fact that we both had a, a, a deep love for Brene Brown. I think that was one yeah. of the things we bonded over. And just reading some of the same stuff, we were we were very excited about different material and to have different co like conversations around um, concepts and things we were learning. And But one of the things that I, did, I have appreciated is your willingness to just be you and be authentic. And it can be messy and it can be... Um, forgetful <laughs> and then I told you I feel more I feel seen in that because I'm like oh that's that's typical is yeah. is the there's not this persona of something that isn't reality there's a real person a real family having real issues just like everyone else mm -hmm. yeah and just like with most other families you know, when you see us out, you're going to definitely, with us, you're going to definitely see imperfections. But if you ever see a moment where you're like, oh, look at that perfect family, then you're not seeing the full picture. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a... Uh, you said, I, one of the things you wrote down was that you, the people we've met the most are the ones that might quietly come over and fix someone's shirt <laughs> that was inside out or on the wrong way that just quietly with no judgment hey this is on backwards yeah, yeah. I mean that happened yesterday <laughs> you know it's happened many times for me where like we are not gonna show up places the way hmm. I want yeah <laughs> I in want your perfect to. world put together mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. boy <laughs> I think a lot of us can identify with that at, at some respect with the parenting all together yeah. But even for ourselves. Um, and I feel like, too, and I know we discussed this at another time, that, like, 
I feel like you might be on public scrutiny display more so than the average non-foster parent would. Definitely. Uh, definitely. All, I think all foster parents feel that, that mm. you're, you are scrutinized because you have DHR checking in on you and making sure that things are, you know, how they're supposed to be at least once a month. Mm. They're in your house looking at your stuff and look, talking to your kids. And, you know, it doesn't matter how many times it happens. It's always nerve wracking. And like, you're always being measured as good enough or not good enough, mm. even though the criteria is pretty low and you're gonna be fine it's still you know it's still stressful and then when you go out in public I think for us you know we have an interracial adoption eight of my kids are black and I'm white and Mm. it's very obvious when we go out that they're not born to me like they don't look like they're even half born to me (laughs) so people do look at them and look at me and judge Am I doing a good enough job taking care of their hair? Does their skin look dry? Do you, and people will definitely Comment. tell me. Yeah. And wow. So it feels like there's a big, like there's a lot of, um, what is the, what am I trying to say? I don't know. Give me more hand gestures. I'll there. <laughs> <laughs> there's expectations or like you're always trying to reach these unattainable goals mm. that, you know, Honestly, there's a lot of ways we could do a lot better. And Mm -hmm. I do not know everything about black hair and black skin. And it is not always going to look the way that it ideally would look Mm -hmm. if they, you know, went to the barber every three weeks and, you know, were bathed in oils every day. And there's a lot of things. But also, I haven't had a pedicure in a year. So it's... There's that. Yeah. just balancing it out that's yeah Yeah. (laughs) like you know maybe they don't look perfect but also I don't it's not like I'm neglecting them and making me look good yeah you cut all that out no that was was great (laughs) no that's so good because that's this is your experience which leads to the next question which is in what ways have you through this process had to experience grief with all the things you've just communicated there have been moments of having to face grief mm-hmm. which is the just the response to the experience that you're having mm-hmm. so tell me share with me a little bit about that what's what are the ways that you face grief I think that for foster parents you know there's just the nature of foster care you're mm-hmm. going to face the loss of a child that you have loved mm-hmm. and maybe it's you know, a a child that you loved for a weekend Mm. or maybe for a week or a month or three months, six months, a year. Maybe you brought them home from the hospital and you lost them when they were four or five. Mm. And I mean, it is, I I think, a unique kind of grief because Mm -hmm. you have lost a child that felt like your child but no one else thinks of it that way mm. around you. And like we, I kind of briefly mentioned in yeah. the introduction that we lost Marky and Kiki for um, about three and a half months. And they had been with us for years at that point right. and brought home from the hospital. Right. You know, every diaper change, every fever, every, you know, tooth and first word and crawling and walking 
all of that was with us and they only knew us. They'd only ever lived with us mm -hmm. and then they're just gone. Wow. And then you meet new people during that time and they ask, how many kids do you have? I just sobbed mm -hmm. and they were, they were like, are you okay? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how to answer that mm -hmm. because in my heart, yeah. I have seven kids and on paper I have four right. and where are they? And you have to explain it. And mm. you have pictures all over your walls of kids that are not there. And like, yeah. it makes no sense meeting someone. And then, you know, half of, half of your experience, like all day, every day. And it's just totally different mm. the next day. Uh, I don't know if that made any sense. It does. It makes perfect sense. But and then you don't know where they are mm. you don't know if they're being taken care of mm. and I mentioned you know the grief of not knowing and wondering and worrying and I would hold their little clothes and smell them and mm. not know if they were crying and mm. if anyone was there to comfort them and um, if they were sick or you know you just don't know and then if it'll be a year one day five years, 10 years, 15 years, or never that you see them again, mm. will they know you? Mm -hmm. Did they miss you? Did they even know that you were their whole world? And right. then, you know, that you were their mom, would they even know that? And that's, it was kind of devastating, you mm. know, and we, I told you we're one of maybe the only family that I know of that had that experience of losing the, the, the children placement. that you'd gotten yeah. from the hospital and loved and then got them back. Like they came back, um, three months later and now they're adopted and we have them forever. And yay. yay. Um, August, 2023. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's not typical. Yeah. And so most people, you know, we have a dream scenario where that hurt, ends at some point but then there are plenty of people that we know who have had the same thing and then just never see them again it's it's they're just gone even yeah. though their siblings are there with you or you know they're separated from their birth sibling you've adopted that sibling and then they are with you and you're raising them and you're thinking that it's forever and then they're just gone mm. it's it's the worst thing that I yeah. can think of, but you know, it, that's because that's what I've experienced. But yeah. I know uh, you know, with the grief podcast, there are so many yeah. different, and I'm sure that there are other griefs that seem that feel the same Absolutely. to someone else. You know, yeah, that that can identify with that feeling, that loss of and not knowing what's going on. I mean, parents can get that regardless of foster or mm -hmm. not out of the foster care when you're parenting. And there's so much unknown. You mentioned a way that you found comfort when you were going through that time. Um, tell me about that. Like the first. Oh, yeah. I've had so many sleepless nights. Just I could not sleep because I was worried about them. And where where were they? And what were they going through? And um, I, the verse came to me. Um, and I didn't even think to <laughs> look up the reference because it was just... I can put it in the show notes. It's fine. Okay, great. Um, in peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Mm. And that was the only way that I was able to 
get peace during that time was realizing that the safety of my children that were sleeping in their beds in the other room was, you know, just as much in my control as the ones that I couldn't locate on a map. Mm. God is in control of all of that. Mm. He is really the only one protecting any of them and any illusion that I have that that's not the case is just wrong. And so you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety mm. is that was it. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. And I think what a, I mean, it is a comfort because it's knowing that outside of your control, there is, there is a watchful eye. Mm -hmm. And in your case, they ended up coming back to you mm -hmm. after that and which doesn't diminish the grief at all. Um, cause like, as you said, there were others who had experienced it, um, and didn't get that, that story. Mm -hmm. Um, I am, uh, you mentioned one other thing that was a grief point, which was um, that third one. Go ahead and share that one with me. I want to say it. Do you, <laughs> you're grabbing the, um, the way that the family looks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, on any given Sunday or Monday or Tuesday, on any day that you see the obedience piling out of the big white church van. Yeah. <laughs> ideally I would love for us all to be in matching outfits mm -hmm. and our shoes are tied and tied is the <laughs> we have a very low bar see, ours okay. is matching can we find <laughs> yeah. matching shoes that would be great yeah go ahead <laughs> sorry um yeah and it's not it's not like that most of the time mm -hmm. like we get in the car and I turn around and like, where's your other shoe? Yeah. I took, I literally to yesterday took a child to the doctor and realized when we were in that he was wearing no shoes at all. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah, it is winter time right now. That, so. Why would you need shoes? That <laughs> seems ridiculous. He hurt his foot and it hurt to wear the shoe. He wasn't going to wear it. So. Oh yeah. Okay. But didn't communicate Great. that. Yeah. yeah. That part. Yeah. I don't have a shoe. Yeah. His dad carried him in, so okay. dad didn't even, he's like, uh, oh, yeah, he okay. didn't want to Don't bat an eye. Yeah. <laughs> Keep moving. Yeah. So, yeah, I've really had to let go of um, thinking that we would always look um, appropriate <laughs> and put together and perfect and, you know, that we would look respectable when we go places. And it is just usually not the case. Mm. Um, so we appreciate all of the grace that people show us. And we've learned to usually I can laugh it off. And sometimes I'm just so frustrating and annoyed mm. with, especially when it's the teenagers. And you're like, why are you wearing Crocs mm. to Christmas candlelight service? Amen. Why? <laughs> yes. Why? I'd like, could we hide them? Like that would be, yeah. <laughs> just ban them all together yeah no I and I get that because it's also and I, again with parenting in general the the ability to to see how what's presenting what what does your family look like um for me that was divorce like they're my kids this isn't the reality that I wanted for my kids but it's a reality that I find myself in and there is a grief that comes with wanting them to have had a different experience mm -hmm. and wanting them to be able to have had both parents in the home for the duration of their time in the home. Mm -hmm. And so there is a facing that of, yes, there is a grief there. And I'm reminded of that 
daily almost, you know, just reminded of what they don't have or mm-hmm. what they've lost. And the reality is like, how do we, how do we show up for them? How do I want to show up in light of honoring that grief, but also, okay, my family does look different. Mm-hmm. And so I want to embrace the way that it looks mm-hmm. so that I can be free to just move on to what's best for us. Yeah. And yeah, and that's why I appreciate again your willingness to just be to to be seen as it's not all put together. My favorite term is messy. It's mm-hmm. messy. Being Definitely. being in relationship is messy. Having a family's messy. Having kids is messy. Teenagers. Having teenagers is. Messy. <laughs> wait till the next episode. I cannot wait for you guys to hear that one. But it's teen specific, oh so I'm really boy. excited. But yeah, there is definitely a a grief that comes with being able to say, this isn't the way that I would prefer it to be. But then I also want to show up to what is so that I can have that freedom, that liberation that you talked about yeah. when you're no longer worried about being told it has to look like this mm-hmm. or you're being too much here. Or you're Then when you get past all of that, mm-hmm. you're able to just show up authentically to the family you have. Mm-hmm. And that feels very empowering. But you do, it's a duality. You have grief and that. Yes, that is very, very true for foster families, Mm -hmm. especially um, ones like ours that don't all look alike. Yeah. Because people look and go, well, they should be with a black family. Mm -hmm. And in a perfect world, in a perfect world, they would be with their birth family. But that isn't the case. And all I can say was I was available. Mm -hmm. And this is what we are dealing with It is not perfect. It is not ideal. But Thank God. Mm. Um, I I am thankful that we were the flawed family that was able to come together as a new flawed family. Yeah. I'm thankful for that. And yeah. it is an ideal, but it is, it is for me, you know, it is for them. It is the new ideal. But it wouldn't have been the original right. plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is the new plan. And it's redemptive. It yeah. is definitely, there's redemption in that. There's transformation. There's healing that is happening that otherwise would not happen. Would you not be willing to open up your home to them? Just like you said earlier, if it wasn't for, I'm willing to face this gut level punch pain because the vision that I have to impact and to be impacted. Mm-hmm is going to be, uh, it's going to, it's going to heal within y'all as parents. It's going to heal within them. That's, that's the nature of what that does is it's very redemptive. I find, I'm outsider looking in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, it grows us. It shifts us. It shapes us into what's, what's valued, what mm-hmm. your values are. And I think that it's very clear and evident, even in the messy that especially because of the messy that you're able to be authentic and see that growth, um, to see that growth there. I was going to ask you in light of those places that you've had to grieve in the places where thinking back when you started in this process, you said 10 years ago, mm-hmm. what, <laughs> what did 10 years ago, Jessica and Ben, what would they have benefited from knowing about this journey that you now <laughs> It's so hard to just not be like, don't go. Run. That is so honest. It's, I love that. No, I, the truth is I wouldn't trade 
anything that we've been through because it's brought us where we are, but there, oh man, it has been hard. And I think, you know, the wor- the hardest part usually for, for foster care is dealing with the system mm. and that I could have used a lot of additional training from myself on if the old, the old version of myself could learn a lot. Which you said, okay, let's take two of those top two that were more logistical. You mentioned Mm -hmm. record keeping. Mm. Yeah. It has, you know, I want to first say, yeah, I recognize that social workers are underpaid Mm. and underappreciated often very mistreated by their the whole system mm. and they're nobody's favorite person to see coming. Yeah. And it's a hard job. Right. And some of them really, really try to do the best they can for the people around them and they're really invested. And some of them are not as invested and a little burned out. A little burned out. Yeah. Yeah. And then the whole system is pretty messed up. And in our area, especially, I don't know if it's that way everywhere. But um, yeah, there have been more than a few times where my very pitiful chicken scratched on a paper record keeping is the only record Mm -hmm. of a lot of things. And so that is always my first advice to someone who is a new foster parent, is write every single thing down, even if it seems unimportant, write it down, because you may have the only record. And that is not supposed to be the case, and Mm -hmm. it may wind up being unnecessary, but it very well could be that those are the records, and you're the only person who's going to know and keep track. And so let's just say you have a child and you do so much you know, logistically through however long the time is, and then they move to somewhere else or you go to court and you're sitting at a table and the attorneys are rifling through their papers going, when did this happen? Did this even happen? What is, and you know, because you were there and you can say, here's the paper. Right. Always want to be ready with that. Mm. And what was the other thing? Oh, that's a great question. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That would require me to remember. Mm. Um, It was the organization I know for one, but would you speak to, um, what would you say about support? Oh, yes. Um, you Before you get your first placement, you want to find your people mm. and you want to talk to your friends and just say, I, I know in theory that there is going to be a day or a middle of the night where I need somebody to drop what they're doing and come and mm. help me. And can I call you? Mm. And you want to find the people who will say yes without um, checking what else they've got going on because it's going to be high priority. Right. You're going to need them right immediately now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So you need those. And then even to like, if you're in the middle of a crisis, which you will be at some point, you're going to need to have people who are aware that it's happening or, If you believe in prayer, which you will, (laughs) you're going to want people praying for you. And so have a point person Mm. that could reach out to a group of people. They don't even have to know them all. You can say, these are my top 10 
people that I want to have informed and can you be the point person and create like a text thread or a message or whatever to let them know the information so I don't have to send it out 10 times mm. and I can just say, I need prayer and here's, here's the what? guts of it. Yeah. So that's, that would be amazing. Okay. And then maybe those people would be willing to bring you a dinner or to babysit or come in your house and let you take a nap and, you know. Yeah. It's very important to have that. And we've been very blessed that mm -hmm. that kind of fell into our lap so many times when we did not know that we needed it. Right. So. That's good. Yeah. And good people checking in on you mm -hmm. all the time. And then you, adoption has happened and no longer have the foster care process or DHR. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yay. Uh, what, what's felt, what's shifted since then or has that shifted anything? It, it does definitely it definitely does um, we we're always so busy and there's always so much going on that I don't know that I've had a chance to really sit down and think about the freedoms that I have now mm. but one thing like um, the kids don't know it yet but we have a special trip planned this Ooh. week and we're going out of state <gasps> and we don't have to ask any permission. Oh, wow. We can just go. Wow. I mean, <laughs> look at you. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, things like they went and stayed. They had a youth retreat this weekend and we didn't have to get any clearances for any of that oh, or like great. vet any host homes or anything. You know, those are things you don't really think about, but they, you know, they wear on you. Yeah. Especially if you have a long term placement, especially if they're older kids. They just want to feel normal, and there's just – it's hard to mm. – to, we have not fostered teenagers, but I know a lot of people who have, and it is so hard and mm. so difficult because, you know, the, the thing that you really rely on with your kids to, to make them want to be obedient and compliant and, you know – helpful or loving is a connection mm. with you and if yeah. you have a new to you person in your home what is their motivation like they don't know you right. and so you're on a fast track trying to manage behaviors and while um, creating connection while creating connection and like you were saying try to coach them through trauma and grief and yeah. pain and all kinds of I mean <laughs> parents foster parents of teenagers really are superheroes like <laughs> they're gonna say no we're not jessica i know they don't like to hear that <laughs> they don't want to hear that either no they're <laughs> they're drowning like the rest of us sometimes. yeah and that's yeah that's the truth is i know that on the outside yeah they're holding it together and on the inside they're falling apart because that's the reality of mm -hmm. parenting teens yeah biological teens biological teens or too. foster teens you know teens are hard and I think about the people that we've met that are fostering teenagers who've never had a teenager mm. oh my gosh that's kind of like where I feel like I am right now <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this is my first rodeo I don't know and I said something I want to correct I said teens are hard um some of the things you go through with teens is hard. Teens yeah. are not hard. They, it's some of the things that they go through mm -hmm. um, is, is just hard to know how to be with mm -hmm. and how to support them, like you said, when you're trying to get 
um, compliance and cooperation, Mm -hmm. but you're dealing with whatever is coming up for them, Mm -hmm. um, that you have to be informed about how you approach that and your responses to it. And, and that's not easy when it is your first rodeo. Yeah. 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 Um, I would highly recommend the movie Instant Family. I think I've seen that. Wait, that was the Mark Wahlberg. And who's my secret boyfriend? (laughs) Marky Mark. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Marky Mark. And who was the, I can't remember who the actress was. Is that, um, it's not Jennifer Garner. Mm -mm. Okay. I don't know. I don't remember, but I do remember. Why do you recommend that face? But I can't think of her name. You tell me why, and I'm going to look it up, but you tell me why you recommend that movie. It, when we w- <laughs> we watched it after we already were foster parents and we cried i mean it's a comedy yeah but we cried because it was so accurate you we felt like, sane so much of it was so accurate and we were like oh my gosh yeah exactly i feel like i'm watching the only thing that we did not <laughs> relate to was how the social workers were so <laughs> like kind and involved and like the um they had a a group of other foster parents that they had gone through all the classes with and everything. And they were all really connected and we didn't have that experience, but we have, we've kind of built that community Hmm. and that community does exist. So look for it because, um, it's out there. And, um, yeah, so, but it was just the things that are thrown at you like immediately, like you just dropped into the deep end yeah, and you can't, you're like, Oh Yeah. Yeah. Sink or swim, Tom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a lot of <laughs> your personality, you knew some of that going in. You just wouldn't know until you got there, mm-hmm. which essentially you had been told. Those stories she told you that made you cry. Mm-hmm. Did she tell you any of the of the stories that are like, okay, this will make you question? Did she give you any of those stories? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well. Um. <laughs> She wouldn't have people signing up if exactly. that were the case. Like, they are recruiting you to the, like, oh, the, whoa, it's just so heartwarming. And, I mean, you know, she did talk about loss. She did. Um, but, yeah, it's all theoretical. Yeah. And, you know, it's like when you haven't had your first baby, you don't know what oh, it's going to be Oh, I really was a perfect be like. parent before I had kids. Yes, yes. <laughs> that dynamic, yeah. And it's the same with every stage and iteration um, like I was thinking the other day, I was like, it's not like this stage is harder than anything. It's just different. It's yeah. just a different difficult. Than I feel like with my biological child, we kind of gradually went into different stages. Like you've known them their whole life. And yeah. you see. So when it's foster care, whatever stage they're at, yeah. boom, that's, that's where we are. And you're like, what? Yeah. You know, you don't have the history necessarily of yes yeah, all the years before. Yeah, you, when you could be parenting a teen, but you never parented a tween. You yeah, know? you don't know what it's like to get there. You're just there. Yeah, boom, there yeah. you are. Yeah, that makes sense. So, any parting thoughts that you would want to share with those that that might be on this journey? Besides, get support, find your people, be ready t- to have the. You could have the heartbreak and you could have the beauty of what are some highlights that you've seen that you want to share with us? You partying thoughts? Party. I'm sure if you want to go there, uh, party, parting. Oh, <laughs> let me enunciate <laughs> my words. P- 
partying thoughts is fine too, but your your parting thoughts. I'm learning, Jessica, how to host, so this is part of that. Uh, I was I'll just thinking it. about parties that whole time you were talking because I thought yeah. that's what you said. Uh, your eyes, I could tell, were not connecting to what I was saying. It was great. So I love that in real time. Any parting thoughts that you yes. would share um, for those that are in this journey right now? Yes, I would say that you should be prepared to throw a birthday party mm. at the drop of a hat because you like when we got our um he's now eight but we got him on his first birthday but they didn't tell us that <gasps> we got him and I was looking at him and I was like this kid is about one years old but they didn't tell me exactly and I called the social worker and I was like hey could when is his birthday and she's like oh let me look um <laughs> today and I was like what so that's my partying thoughts. Your part- <laughs> that's where you went for partying thoughts. Okay. And my friend also, she was like, we've thrown a first birthday party like at the drop of a hat because you never Do you know. have a bin like in your house that's like Absolutely. a birthday bin? Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. seems yeah accurate. And we just keep it now. Yeah. But, um, that makes sense. That's a good partying thought. I like yeah. that one. Always be ready for a party. Always. That's yeah. my motto. Yeah. That may be an Enneagram 7 thing. Uh, it we're the funnest. Yes. Yes, yeah. you are. That's why you took the test that way. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, I appreciate you being here. I love this conversation. I love the one we had before we had this one, too, because mm-hmm. it gives me lots of context. But um, I'm very appreciative of your willingness to share your story. Can you just... Um Probably delete this whole one, and then I'll listen to it first and tell you what I would have said. Hi, going to your one Enneagram 7 to perfectionism. No. No, we just have to accept it as it is. No, not that. (laughs) It doesn't have to be perfect, right? Yeah. (laughs) You did a great job, and I'm so grateful that you were here and that you showed up and you made the choice to show up. And, um, yeah, I'm grateful for you. Thank you for all that you, that you do. It's our first podcast. It is. Like, welcome to the delicious dish. (laughs) (laughs) I need to get you a mic just so you can talk into it at all. Like whenever you want to. I I think I definitely will. Yeah. I think a delicious dish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. SNL. I like the reference. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for liking and subscribing and sharing and getting the message out so that others who are experiencing Rachel is awesome (laughs) I can't wait to hear the whole podcast (laughs) those who are experiencing similar journeys or different journeys and having experiences that bring you to grief that you would be encouraged and share this with somebody that you think would benefit you guys have a great day